Hi everyone, I'm Ruth Wilkinson on Unleash Your Goddess. Today we delve into Sarah's life and find out how she turned a violent attack in her own home into something beautiful. Sarah's found the strength to share her story of how she overcame after a brutal rape and attack in her own home. I really want to thank Sarah from the bottom of my heart for coming on today. Her name and voice has been changed to protect her identity. Just remember, our tragedies can become great blessings for others by sharing our stories. It will be someone else's survival guide. It's important to remember that it's not your fault or your responsibility. The abuser is the only person responsible. And being male does not make what was done excusable. Thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate you coming on and telling you and telling us this this amazing journey that you've been on. And I can I can only imagine how how hard that is to to tell that story today. What moved you to come on the podcast and share your story today? Um, I think I've, I think people think that it's sort of traumatic things are difficult to share, but actually, what I found is that people find them hard to hear sometimes. So actually, I found the reaction like the other way around. It's like part, part of what I was dealing with was people going, oh, no, I don't think you should be talking about that. And you're like, God, I mean, it's just part of your human yes. experience. I do understand about things like trigger warnings, etc., all of that. But when something's first happened to you, you're not interested in that. You want to you wanna share, like, what's happened to you because it's it's what you're reacting to it's all it's all you're going through so I just kind of think I'm probably I'm quite a jolly person I don't think I'm very I don't know sort of extreme or and and I just thought it might be almost maybe reassuring to other people that anyone can you know you don't have to be an extraordinary person to have to react extraordinarily and recover extraordinarily well I suppose but you know there's messes along the way and it's there's no sugar coating it is messy um but people were like how did you cope I think you're amazing and I found it really odd I was like well I had to that's right yeah um so yeah it's kind of like we've all got We've all got kind of superhero cape somewhere and some of us have to pull them out and and some of us don't. And I always thought that I'm not proud because I am, but I, I learned a lot um, and I just didn't want to be a victim, I suppose. I was just wanted to help. Uh, there's that really amazing quote, isn't there? I think I've seen you post it as well about um, perhaps if you share your story, one day you'll be part of someone's survival kit, you know. And I really like that. They've got that in them, do they? When they have, we've all got it. We've all got it mm. in us, isn't mm. it? It's that going within and finding it. And I'm really looking forward to hearing, hearing how you did that, um, and and your journey and your journey afterwards as well. Did you grow up in the UK? Yeah, yeah. I grew up. I grew up in the countryside, so I was a proper. Complete country bumpkin, not even, not even a village, not even a hamlet. That was right up till I was I was eighteen, just surrounded by pets and fields. And <laughs> have you got brothers and sisters? Yeah, yeah, I've got a sister. So you had a happy childhood. Yeah, I think I just always remember the the countryside and all the pets everywhere. I mean, it, they were everywhere. You know, it's like chicken in the chickens and chicks in the kitchen and looking after puppies and you know playing sort of all around the, the house because it was all the gardens all the fields all around there it was all kind of safe so yeah it did feel really nice actually I felt I feel kind of privileged now that I have that yes yeah it's a healthy and lovely way to be brought up so you left home yeah. was that to go to college or god talk about culture shock well from growing up in the countryside in the middle of nowhere, I mean, well, you get bored when you're a teenager and, you know, you don't appreciate the countryside. But then I went to London. I wasn't used to there. There was a post box where I lived. There wasn't, there was, honestly, there was literally a, a little a little lane in a post box. So then I, I kind of didn't know why. I was like, oh, I'm supposed to do my A-levels at college. Now I'm supposed to now I'm supposed to go to university and then it was like oh my god now I'm going to 
it's a really big culture shock. And at first you don't like it, and then you're like, oh my god, everything's open. You're enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, like milk at eleven o'clock at night, like two minutes down the road. I mean, yeah. It was a huge culture shock. So, Did you marry? No, never been married. No. No. I, I can't really remember if I ever had aspirations to be married or not. I don't. I, th- I remember me and my mum joking, and I can't remember which way around it was. I think I said I'd never get married, and she, we had a bet. Bet you a million quid type joke. She said, no, I think you're going to have three husbands. And I said, no, I'm never going to get married. You know, it was like some really ridiculous thing. That, maybe I was always a little bit unconventional it wasn't like oh yeah well, i want a sort of wedding dress and a yes yeah let's settle down sort of person i think I was, maybe i was always a little bit of a free spirit i suppose which is good everybody's different aren't they which is yeah. good which, which kind of shows that you wasn't because i got married just 17 and i was running away from i was in a religious cult and i was running away from that so you know the people get married for Often wrong reasons, which is great, but you, you're you're, you're taking your time and and now working on you, and and then it will just all fall yeah. in place. Not that's a be all and end all, is it either? On that, yeah. I mean, I I sort of think I don't know. I, I I've just got past the stage of laughing at people about that when I sort of started a newish job with them a year ago or so, and the, so the two girls didn't know my sort of checkered past, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what to call it. And um, they were like, "Oh, have you got anyone? Anyone?" And I was like, <laughs> and they just sort of. I'm just getting past finding that funny that people think I might have a part. I think I've been the idea having a partner, and it's like I'm. I'm 47, so the kids thing that ship has sailed. I don't um, think I'm 50. I'm 52 in a few weeks, and I've just found, I've just found a partner, and it's good because obviously I've worked myself over the last yeah. how many years, and been through bad relationships and things like that. But now I've worked myself, and and I've attracted the right person. So I think it all happens at the right time. And that's that thing, isn't it? That attract, and I I noticed patterns in myself. I noticed so many patterns throughout throughout the years for various different reasons. You're like, oh, is that you trying to heal your dad? Is that you trying to heal your mother wound? Is that what's yeah. this going on? It. And then the last interaction. I mean, you know, I I do take myself off off out because I like gigs and stuff. I mean, obviously. Right, 17 lockdowns later, it was a long time ago, but I remember the last time, you know, I went to a gig, went on my own, I've got no issues doing it, I had a good old dance, I quite fancied the singer, uh, and I was like, I've just met his girlfriend, that's great. And um, the roadie, like, chatted me up, you know, Sprite in this very late, yeah. I just was like, out, out for a dance, you know, it's fine. And um, this guy seemed really harmless. Um, and he he was really, really, really fun, really interesting. But I was like, no, not your sort of type. And then, and he was like, oh, right, are we, you know, I had a great time. Are we going now? Am I, am I, am I coming over with you? And I said, don't do it. I said, don't do it. I said, you're having a nice time. I'd seen him like, you know, floating around other people, yeah. whatever. And I said, look, I'm really sorry. You're, anything's going to happen. You know, nothing, I had nothing tactile, nothing at all. Uh, so we've had a nice time, leave it there. And I said, also, I've got horrific taste in men at the moment. He's like, oh, darling. <laughs> I was more saying it like for my benefit than his, if you know what I mean. I was like, at the moment, I'm going through a pattern of quite a few years of having really horrendous taste in men. And I'm aware of that, so I'm going home on my own. And he did, all like, oh, charming. But he did respect that. But yeah, I understand what you mean about patterns. Yeah. 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 Okay, we're going to go back to seven years ago, to the day um, of the violent attack in your home. I've been dating someone, and I don't know, hindsight is amazing, isn't it? You know, it's always twenty twenty. So you sort of, if I look back, it's like, oh, dated somebody, they said all the right things to you, they said you were interesting, they said you were, they said you were amazing, then suddenly you don't hear from them for weeks on end, suddenly you hear from them out of the blue, and they're like, oh, are you busy now? So, and, you know, you sort of see it differently. But I was, I just moved back in to my flat on my own. Um, I've been in a flat share for a while. I really didn't like living on my own. I think I was a lot more lonely, a lot more needy than I, than I realised. And I, I wanted this person to be someone that, that they weren't, you know. Yeah. And you look back at the messages of someone not, 
you know, hearing for someone for a few weeks and then actually what they did the first date was blow smoke up your ass and tell you you were great and tell you you were this and all that and then be on off on off like now looking at the sort of 39 year old me then be like what is this twat <laughs> you know that's what I'd be thinking now like oh, he's doing it all yes, that. Yeah. you learn so, yeah and yeah. yeah. um, but I, I didn't then you know I kept on being thrown thrown bones and and sort of kidding myself and I think what's what jarred me for a long time was um I really liked this person and then felt really duped and when I look back now I'm like what was wrong with your taste oh my god that was like someone was a bit of a gym bunny that is not your fatigue at all someone that was so glaringly obviously not in what someone says but in what someone does more important um, after a really call, that was it. And they give you a load of flannel. And then you're like, well, are, are you going out? Are you going on a date? Are you going to the cinema? Are you, you know, that wasn't your type. Yeah. You need that attention. Yeah. At that, at that time. And then got sort of, I, I was groomed, basically. Um, and it took a friend to tell me that because I didn't know. I thought, I didn't really, I thought like, it was little kids that got groomed and I didn't really quite know what that was. And when you hear about grooming, you hear it quite often just said like that. It's a bit like when someone says a word and it's got so much more explanation that's needed behind it. Like when someone says boundaries, what's that mean? Yeah. Just say, saying boundaries doesn't really mean anything. It's like, what, what are your, what are your personal standards? What are your limits? What are your, and so this, like, you've been groomed and I'm sitting there, like, you know, about to turn 40, was really, made me feel so naive. But that almost takes me back to that sort of um, countryside living. There was something amazing about being naive because it meant I wasn't, I wasn't this hardened person. Oh, yeah, I've had a load of knocks and bruises. You know, I hadn't. Yeah. I'd been sort of travelling in my late 20s and early 30s, and I was I was naive then as well. And I remember saying, oh, my God. And one of the other travellers went, that's really nice, though, sometimes yeah. as well. That yeah. was really sweet. You're untouched. And I suppose I just felt a bit stupid and a bit, a bit vulnerable because I've got a different side to me where in my healthcare job I am, you're a bit more toughened up over the years with boundaries and you have to be because you know no we can't go out for coffee or no I won't say tell you too much about me because this conversation is about you or you know I've worked in places that were I I worked in a a medium secure unit that's my first job and there's a way to still be caring um but not I suppose not be manipulated um and I I couldn't believe I was I was manipulated into this guy worming his way in and and so oh we'll have a bit of fun we'll do this we'll do that and but there were certain bits that he'd always said over the few weeks and the few dates whatever we'd had where he was like let's do this um are you into that are you into S&M are you into and I was like no 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 and there was you know certain bits and they got ignored what you fancy? What are they? What are they? And it's just like kind of, oh, I don't know. It's just a, a strange way to, strange questions to ask. How long have and you known him for? Probably, um, I don't know, like a couple of months by then. So I'm sure I would have, I probably would have seen him several times. Had you met um, him at the site? Was it a dating site? Yeah, but what was strange about that and me being all, Bloody woo woo! Oh, it's a sign that must mean I can trust him. I, I'd, I'd never been interested in online dating at all. And then my friends and quite a few other people were—they seemed to just be having quite a good time, networking, meeting different people, maybe even making friends. And, and I was like, I bet you a million pounds, I will never ever meet man of my dreams. I won't on a dating site. I want to bump into somebody in the road. Of, you know, carrying a. a a pile of books and drop them and they you know eyes meet across you know that. and so that even the fact that I joined this dating site was obviously me like that that was something about me being lonely and it was such a sort of strange thing but I recognized him 
I recognised him because I'd had dealings with him in the past and I knew him from around town as well. We'd had to do like some public service stuff together and I just thought, oh, I recognise that guy. Oh, we're a match. Oh, wow. I know, I kind of know. I remember having conversations with him. Um, remember having fag breaks with him. Seems, you know, he seemed like we, we, were, we both had partners at that at that point so nothing was and um, so that maybe that's what also made me go oh felt safe fine yeah and christ how how wrong how wrong you could be really and you know i was basically he incarcerated me in my own home and tortured me in my own home for just over an hour and it was very much like you know I'm in control. I'm, you know, suddenly this different, this person. whole severe different person, and you turn into a different person. Like as soon as that adrenaline is just, or well, you're you're exhausted really quickly. Oh my god, so quickly you're exhausted. Uh, but also you, you'll start thinking of weird things to say to get them away from you. Or make them stop. Um, it was a hot day and the windows were open. And he's like, I'm going to go and close all the windows. And I was like, no, don't. No, no, the neighbours might hear. And I'm going, well, it doesn't matter. You know, thinking, no, please leave the windows open. I bloody want them yeah. to hear. No, and you're, you're just, you are in survival mode. And oh my God, you, you cannot stand up when someone does that. You can't. No. They're a lot stronger than you, a lot taller than you. You try running, even with your hands behind your back, without them being tied. You, honestly, you'll, you'll fall over in like a second. So you wrestle to the ground, you're exhausted, the adrenaline's gone. And what I didn't realize, he popped his phone up and he was filming it. So he kept on pulling his phone up in different places. It took me absolutely ages to know that. And you are, it's a little bit, and I've seen it since and, and gone, oh, I see it's a different thing. There's out-of-body experiences that can be like a spiritual experience, but traumatic, traumatic experiences can be out-of-body experiences as well. And so I had a bit of an out-of-body experience in a in the traumatic sense of an out-of-body experience. Because yeah. um, I suppose you're confused, you've kind of been... You've been thrown around and you don't know until the police started asking me. I didn't know. They were like, and what position were you on the bed and where were you? on? And you think you were one way. And then, you, you know, I, I watched. I didn't have to, but I wanted to do everything to help the inquiries. And I, I watched 11 minutes worth of footage because I wanted to, to help them. So I watched myself. I was like a, a very confused, ba dying baby seal. Yeah. Just like, uh, the, uh, you know, you just go into that very, very quickly after lots and lots of no's and them not listening to that and yeah. such a sort of, but that's your body rescuing you yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, like I was saying, you're, that's why it's a beautiful, we've got a beautiful mind. It's why we can't remember things until we need to. Um, and we're not reacting to them we go into this other place that isn't fighting i couldn't um i was essentially really held hostage couldn't move um and i couldn't and no flight and so it's freeze and and that's your that's your trauma so that's your flying bird smacked against a window you think the bird's dead yeah and then the bird comes alive and yeah. humans are so complex we haven't we haven't perfected the shaking ourselves out and going, oh, don't, I'm not dead, and flying off. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that bit takes, and maybe it will take the rest of my life, yeah. that bit, because yeah. of our, you know, sort of complex mind. But your beautiful mind at the time shuts you down. Maybe that's why you feel like you're hovering above the bed. So I remembered, I remembered every, absolutely everything that they said and did it was just the position that i was in on the bed just things like that that you're like no that didn't know or while something was being held up against my neck and i you know well i couldn't see that obviously it's, it's yeah. there anyway I'm like shit that was that was an insult that was my own belt yeah 
Um, how did he eventually leave? Did he just un, un, undo you and, and leave? Or do you know? I'm trying to think. After an hour and after all that, I think I think what I realised was that this is how he got his thrills was completely disempowering me and humiliating me in every every bloody way he could. Mm. Um, I think I think he was trying to get me to say something, um, and then. I was just like, just, you know, take, take him off, take him off, take him off. Um, and he wouldn't. It's like it needed to be his, his decision. But it was obviously really a bloody arousing this, um, uh, to, you know, to him. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, oh God, right. I, I'd always felt like I was a bit of a needy, boring person or I, I didn't quite sort of do it for him. And I thought, oh my God, Sam. This is what does it for him. Um, so I think once he felt like he'd got wicked way, um, in as many different bloody ways that he could, he was just like, "All oh, right, well, you know, I'm off. Oh, I've got something for you," and got this card um, about an S and M club in in Brighton, and just flicked it I just remember flicking it on my shelf just leaving it there for me and I thought oh my god you're trying to make out this is like my thing that I wanted yeah. to do yeah um but you're you, you're just you're knackered by them I mean I was drenched I, I looked like I'd been in the shower so it was a hot day anyway somebody's like basically Oh, it did so many different sort of things cause so many different injuries to me. Um, throwing you around in so many different ways. You've got the adrenaline, you've got the heat, you had the struggle. I've been, I looked like I'd been in the shower. Yeah. So I was just kind of submissive. I was quite a submissive by the end, you know, you're kind yeah. of like, um, oh, right. And I, I tried to actually stop him from going. I think he maybe was meeting up with someone or something. And I think it was like me trying to get a bit of control back. Yeah. And and he and he pulled you know he pulled my hair and got me got me out of the way. And I kind of just thought, God, well, it's not like I wanted him to say really, but it was almost trying yeah. to get a bit of control back after an ordeal that I sort of I was made to feel like I asked for that. That's you how know, you know now. Do you you know now that? He wasn't. Yeah, um, I, I remember a very, very, very wise thing someone said to me. Um, you know, you're you're in shock for a very, very long time. I didn't know for nearly a week. I didn't know that I'd been raped. Yeah. I didn't quite realise that it was every single thing he did was against the law. I mean, you know, I'll say no to everything. Yeah. But people sort of ta tangle with your head over time, and you're like. Oh, well, you know, but I know him and I let him in, so it must have been my and it's like, no. And no, you know, they no. they were they were amazing. I, you know, all the different sort of police were were amazing. Every single one of them were incredible. But yeah, my friend um a couple of months later said, Look, the big thing to do for you is forgive yourself. So that's gonna be the bit that will take the time. Because yeah, I took one, yeah. oh, look, I'm really trying to come to town. I was trying to speed it all up. I'm thinking that I'd get over it in, I don't know, like a week or I'd be all right. Or I was like, look, you know, I've thought about this and I think some of you were just out of any awareness. And in order for me to move on, although you never say it to that person, you need to forgive them. And they were like, forgive, forgive them in your mind if that helps you as much as you want. But the hard bit is going to be forgiving yourself. For letting it happen yes yeah um, but i'd never go on bloody uh what's the thing i'd never go on a ted talk and be like oh hi this is the man who raped me and now i understand you know not that it's no. like you forgive someone like in your head and in your heart because it's easier for you because what what what, what does that anger do yeah nothing yeah. like i don't understand that that kind of mind that grooming mind that controlling mind that I don't get it. So you might as well forgive it instead of trying to understand it because you'll yeah. go mad to understand that. How long did that take you um, to get to get to where you were strong enough to start your healing journey and to forgive yourself? 
personally and then to forgive me. about three years mm, yeah i mean there's lot there's lots of things in there that are you know um there was amazing things and then you'd kind of like so something else would happen where you'd just be like oh i thought i was all right and you'd get freaked out about something or be like oh i can't go across town i don't want to go i don't want to do that on my own or get freaked out or you could get really anxious depressed or at first i had a lot of flashbacks that were like anxiety attack then you might have like a, a really great time where you're like oh right i found this amazing book and i'm reading that or oh yeah i'm going to retreat and then something else stressful will happen and it did really help once i got a ptsd diagnosis which i didn't ask for someone just went a rape counselor just went oh i thought you knew because i went really reacting to this oh my god like my my mood dipped so rapidly it was really scary oh god you know i could get so jumpy in the house like if i just clank you know, you're doing the washing up, you might clank a cup against a plate. To me, that's like me in the roof. What? You know, like I think sort of hypervigilance, everything sort of, everything sort of turned up, but also your sort of receivers are just, you know, they're just not tuning in. They've just gone haywire. And I was like, I think I've got PTSD. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I thought you know. And then I said it to my GP and he was like, well, yeah. And, you know, I just, it was kind of, it was helpful. I'd been looking up loads of ways to prevent PTSD or to, um, or to just deal with trauma, which is very different from having a diagnosis. It's a completely different yeah. thing. Yeah. But you're like, shit, I didn't manage to prevent it. I didn't manage to, I didn't manage to. But if you're in a trapped situation, so if you can't run and you can't, so if you can't fight and you can't like, fly, then you freeze and that is when you get traumatized and that's when all your amygdala hippocampus so your your, your instincts that sort of jumping what's what's that over there yeah. um your memories you don't your emotional memory is like oh that feels like it's happening again now or oh, and your brain's sort of tricking you and you're you at that point when you're getting them flashbacks and getting them feelings um yeah. i would Sometimes I'd sort of tell a friend different techniques you use, different, um, all your different senses. I mean, I have to, you have to have a toolkit, really. So I had a recovery box. So I had like a really nice shoe box and I'd put things in it that bring you back into the present. But quite often, if you go through your senses as well, it's kind of like, right, something I can smell might bring you back into the room, something that sort of feels nice, something I can touch, like listen to music. Um, I once saw my attacker and I was on the bus and I saw him. Um, luckily, I was on the bus and he wasn't, he was walking in the street. But I went home, was nearly sick, was like, like, very strange. I suppose that's adrenaline makes you feel sick. I don't know. Um, or fear, yeah. And um, I just, I think it was middle of the day. I didn't really have anyone to ring. I just thought, what, 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 you, what can you do? And I just turned to music on really loudly and stamped about dancing and singing really loudly. Probably angry music, I can't remember. Prodigy or something. And it that you, that's you in the moment then. Yeah. Um I did have a recovery box as well. If it was sort of like a I got into, you know, quite a low mood, I just grab something that you really just grab. Not you can't be doing like, oh, I'm just gonna burn book a yoga session. If you're in crisis, you're not <laughs> do that you're not gonna go oh, hang on just gonna do a little bit of mindfulness that is, that is not gonna happen if you're in a no like you it's not gonna happen and there'll be like birthday cards from old school friends uh, a photo of nice photo of me and my sister um something from you know like an old family photo and there's an ornament of my cat and just be like you know they're like those reasons reasons to live sort of thing you know um but there's yeah there's the sort of sensory kind of stuff as well um but that they they didn't go on and on for, for sort of too long like the sort of flashbacks and things that was maybe after a few months maybe six months so yeah they went so maybe that's why i just didn't realize that quite often I mean, everybody's different, but people with PTSD really don't handle stress very well. So there's, there's a lot of avoidance. Um, 
and and you don't handle stress very well because all the trauma goes into the three parts of your brain that normally regulate stress. Yes, yeah. So memories that they then think are real. Oh, dude, that's happening to you. Um, this sort of uh, emotional regulation. So you know, it's be yeah, really you get quite high as well as quite low quite quickly, and it's sort of learning to get that that balance back as well, as well as the amygdala just being like hyper. Vigilant. What's that? What's this? What's that? Oh my god, a cup clucked while you're watching that. <gasps> what is it? So yeah. all of it is out of out of kilter and they're all your kind of stress responses. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that maybe straight after you've been traumatized, you shouldn't try and move house, change jobs, do you know, do those high sort of stressor. Um reset your boundaries and change your priorities. Can you tell us more yeah. about that? Immediately, immediately I started doing that. It was really weird. I suppose it was, it was weird, and it was. I'm, I, I've been a people pleaser my whole life, and I just didn't. I was just me, you know. Um, and as you just know, you're you're exhausted. You're still frozen. Um, you stay kind of in the shock thing for months on end um but you you know i was like my god this is oh this is really tiring this is a really severe reaction so you say no to a lot of things that you know i was quite a giver and i'd be like yeah no oh what you skin oh no well, don't worry i'll i'll buy you a pint i'll buy you some dinner i'll do this i'll do it and i was just if i, I had a friend that was skin quite a lot of the time and i, I didn't realize at all but they will just probably take the piss a bit for years and i i just sort of was ignoring any like hints about any of that because it was like well obviously i've just had something a horrific ordeal happens to me obviously i needed to put myself first yes um and you don't notice the fallout of those things for a long time those cracks take a while to show because you know they're probably still hanging around waiting for you to snap out of it and you know and i and i suddenly realized that I, i'd let a lot of people just i don't know just jive with me a little bit i was a bit of a joke a bit of, oh yeah sam's a bit of a hippie she's a bit of, and i just i didn't like drama and i didn't like people taking the belittling me and i started sticking up myself and people didn't like it <laughs> And I don't, I, me sticking up for myself isn't me being like, oh, I can't, it, it's like, oh, could you not? And to, uh, just doing that, people are like, oh, my God. Sam has just asked, you know, honestly, people do not like it. I would literally ask that politely or be like, see this, that thing that went on when that person was drunk and that person shouted, I, I don't want anything to do with that. Or, you know, when you just sort of take piss out of my character or I don't I don't want that actually you know you all go out in a gang and you go out drinking and you go across town but you're not taking into account that it I I don't want to get across town on my own at the moment would you you like to come out for a cup of tea or not and then some people sort of go away you know from it and it's very it's quite it's very painful it is um and it's it's never the people you think. It's really surprising, actually. It's surprising um, the amount of people around you that you've been there for, and I've found that I've been there for and helped, you know, all the time. And then when you are at your lowest and need help, they mm-hmm. tend to disappear. And that is helpful. Yeah, yeah. it's helpful. It is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it, I think it just all really surprised me. And now looking back again, I still feel like. Um, you know, I had a purge and I had had a bit of a, a clear out, if you like, and we had really low self-esteem and wasn't very confident. And maybe I was like, that, where, you know, way before being assaulted. So what the assault did was go, oh, my God, you've been really violently, really seriously assaulted and it's being treated really seriously. It's really awful. So you really need to look after yourself. Yeah, and put yourself yeah. first and you've not done that for 39 years because that's just not the type of person it's not you're not angelic you're not a, it's just 
you're an empathic person, you're on 10 hour all the time. It's kind of easier yeah. than dealing with your own shit as well. Who knows why we are the way we are. Um, and so I was like, oh, right, so oh, putting me first means, oh, you know, suddenly uh, people that were fun or you thought would be around for you, who you thought would come over for a cup of tea and you thought would make an effort or all sort of, it kind of fell apart a little bit, I suppose. Some friends don't know, they don't know how to deal when you go through something like that or go through something mm. that's really bad. A lot of times they don't know what to say and how to how to deal with it. Um, yeah. So just run off, don't they, as well? Yeah, and I think there was that sort of, Oh no, hang on a minute, but you're the easygoing, nurturing one. Oh, what, you want me? You want us to switch roles? And now I'm supposed to be the sort of the easygoing, nurturing one to you. And they might not have the capacity. And I think I was, I was really bereft for, for a long, long time. But also I didn't, I, I didn't want to be around drinkers. Like at first you're, you're numb anyway. And you're, it was very strange. I, I've not got, thank God, an addictive personality. So at first I was, it's like you're numbing the numbness. It's very strange. You know, I'd just sit there and be like, uh, uh, you know, I was sort of very vulnerable, like, oh, hi. You know, didn't really know what happened to me. And other people like, oh, you know, have another drink. And you, I did. And it was, like I say, to numb the numbness. It's a very strange sort of thing. And then I was just like, oh, my God. Right, and it's got a lot of drinkers in it anyway, a lot of party people. And I didn't realise um, that once I completely moved away from that kind of party scene, that so many people who I'd seen very regularly sat around watching films with them, like, the day after parties or got away. With, like, I was like, oh, well, I don't want to drink or do I realised that groups did my head in, I wanted rich conversations or calmness and drink often resulted in, in drama so then I wasn't drinking and was tolerating looking at the crap that people talk and the stupid arguments we were getting and I was like I don't want this and I realised I was sort of going out and then I was coping with mm. going and I was like why are you doing that? Just to please others. Um, yeah, and I didn't have anything to replace it with for a while. And then I was like, right, I do, I do. And I was really upset. It probably even day, even days after I break, I was really upset because I lost any any belief in anything or any faith in anything. And I, I kept on looking. Okay, and I, I just was like, how can something bad happened to you and there's still be good in the world and I'd always been really into really into paganism spirituality traveled around India um really into all lots of different kind of spiritual pursuits um and I couldn't I couldn't find I couldn't find that and I really wanted to and I wasn't at, like massively I don't know actively finding other things to do with other people i just knew that that was that was me and that was my core and that was my belief system and it felt like there'd been this sort of it had broken for a while and i didn't know how to get it back and i knew it was important and that became more important than people what would you say to someone overcoming trauma right now be really gentle with yourself really really gentle and what about to somebody that hasn't, they haven't gone to get help, they haven't told the police? This is months, maybe years. So it's, it's your choice. There's no, there's no pressure. People are there if you, if you need them. The help's there if you need it, but there's no, there is no pressure. And do whatever, do whatever it is that's going to, going to get you through. There's a, there's a lot of resources out there. It is better to talk. That doesn't, it's not right for everybody to, to, report things to authorities but you might want to share it and you know people do I still have those confidentialities you don't they don't you don't have to report it but there's there are so many different ways of being held and it's a long it's a long long road and you need to be so patient with yourself and and you'll fall down and you'll get up again you'll fall down and I I think I, I thought I made the mistake of going, well, you know, I, I think you just, you can be not for life. So I'm going to, 
I, I sort of have these periods where I was like, ah, I've got rid of it. Look at me. And I did that after maybe four years, five years, six years. And now, I mean, this is going, this is a seventh or eighth year. I, I don't even, I don't think like that. You've got to not fight it. You've got to accept something. And this, it will change. Whatever helps you will change. It will keep on changing and you'll keep on wanting new things and tr try and find them and, and do what you love to find what you love and do that. And I think nature was the one that meant I, I didn't need talking therapy out there. I was just out in it. And yeah. it that was the one that was incredibly healing in a, some kind of magical way that is inexplicable, really. Even scientists can tell you that. They're like, oh, yes, you know, it helps because of A, B, and C. And it does something else. And we don't know how that works. But, you know, people's self-esteem extraordinarily. And whoever that is, you know, like a lot of people use the word magic. And I find it so interesting. Like kids, or you, you know, kids' books you hear a lot. And then adults, if you said something about witches or pagans, they'd be like, oh, but... If they saw something really beautiful, look at that dragonfly, it's, it looked magical. People use the word magic, and I find it really interesting, because if you said, oh, I know quite a lot about magic, <laughs> they were like, they, you know, they might be a bit scared, but I doubt if there's a person that hasn't said, wow, yeah. that's magical. And, um, yeah, you've got to find the magical things, you know, yes. in, in life. They won't be there every bloody day, every time. No. Where would they go to find the resources that's, that they need? Um, so I went to Survivors Network. I didn't go there a lot. Um, I went there and they had a list of um, really good books to read. So I sort of scribbled down that list and I can't remember if it was all from there or whether I sort of thought of some myself and kind of Googled it as well. And the counsellor that I saw, trauma books, Peter Levine, his trauma book I read back to front, his, his theory book, I read a novel by Alice Bold, but she'd gone through something similar to me. Another, this one, another one that was a true story of a lady that was my age, she went through something similar and how she got through it. And uh, this is me sort of still numb, sitting on the floor, like, what's happened i don't know what's happened like and it's like i could see everybody else was horrified and at that point i wasn't because i was numb it's like this is really bad isn't it but like, there's police and cid and there's you know like i had workers that were assigned to me because they were like well, this is so violent. We've these people suddenly looking after it. It's so, so strange when you've been the natural carrier. Shit, this all indicates to me it's really bad. Mm -hmm. So I better look up how to be me again and cope with this, uh, move forward. Uh, Do you think that was a lifesaver for you to, to face it, that it has happened, rather than some people that kind of put their head in the sand? And then they, you know, they just end up on drink, drugs, and, and, and that, you know. Do you think that for you was a lifesaver because you faced up to it and started your healing journey? Um, I think everybody's different and it was really incredibly helpful. And everybody, like, articulates things differently and needs to deal with things differently. Um, to me, it was because whenever... The one consistent thing, I mean, there's there's just so many different types of therapy that I tried or talking therapy or different hobbies or um, so many different things. But I, the things that I always refer back to are those books, funnily enough. And maybe I didn't I didn't have anything else at that point. It was me. I hated being on my own. Of course, I hated being on my own. But I was determined to stay in my home. People oh, come and skip on my sofa. You must be scared then. I was like, somebody is not is not fucking up my home. I'm staying here. You know, like what am I gonna do? What keep on someone's sofa the rest of my life? Yeah. Um and I was just like, this is what I've got and this is what I, I want as many pointers as I can to understand what on earth it is that's happening 
to my mind at the moment. So the sort of Peter Levine, that's where the sort of the stunned dead bird analogy comes in. It's one of the first things. But the way he speaks about psychology and trauma and treatment is so accessible. Um, it was incredible. Uh, reading a novel really helped me because I was terrified. What if it went to court? What if they played a, a video back at me? Jesus Christ, what, how would that, you know, I was terrified about court and never got to court. But it he, was. He obviously did time. They caught him, did they? They arrested him. And most cases get thrown out. So it's one of the reasons I reported. 86% of rape cases, something like that, don't ever get reported. And yeah. something like 95% of them get thrown out. It's like one word against the other. It's so, it's so insanely. So he's still walking the streets. Yeah. And I should imagine Oh yeah, I mean all all that was like immediately he's like couldn't you know, had an injunction, couldn't contact me, all of that stuff and was sort of I don't know in denial about it, but did send me an apology via the police, so strange. So you why are you denying it but then apologize? I don't know. Yeah. Um so yeah, not allowed anywhere near, but also someone being that terrified that they were arrested and like i mean all court cases take ages it was nearly 18 months he was on bail so yeah. he would have had his passport taken you know you must be shitting yourself at that point yeah um so you know after sort of being terrified of seeing him from the bus that time i remember like many many months later seeing him again from the bus and one of the councillors had said, look, this is another way to make yourself present. Push your legs back. Like, really, your biggest muscle in your body is, like, your your glutes and your thighs. And yeah. so to be back in the moment, which is to stop your memory going, oh, it's him, he's going to do that. Like, just push it. And, and I was sitting there, and I remember, thank God I've got sunglasses, and I was, like, gritting my teeth, pushing so hard. I just thought, God, I must look mental. <laughs> doing this um and he looked so stressed like really aged and really stressed um and no i don't know if it felt it was just an observation really um so i'm, I'm sure it would i hope it would put you off being on bail for that long you know i mean that's some he had that hanging over him for a year and a half yeah, yeah. um they're very strange things, though, uh, sort of rape court cases, because... But didn't they find, didn't they find the video? Yeah. They, they, they had the video, yet he still got away with it. Yeah. They, um... He said it was a, a sort of set-up, like, um, oh, yeah, we were pretending something. I mean, it didn't make any sense whatsoever but i did i got a letter but we're, hello we're the court we're the rape specialist well what we're saying is it, it's about costs it's always about costs if you look at court cases and it's like you've got 12 jurors you know they're paying all this money for the judge for the week or for the fortnight and those jurors and, and da, da, da. do they think without a doubt that out of those 12 one twat isn't going to go Oh, I don't know though. I mean, you know, she had seen him a few times before, so they need they need to know one hundred and fifty percent that's going to be unanimous. So one glimmer of, mm, I don't know, they then don't take it to court. But the letter says this does not mean, and I, it really helped me. This does not mean we don't believe you. Um, it means that we've concluded that it's you know the, the costs aren't going to be you know we, we can't guarantee there's going to be unanimous unanimous verdict but what you get by means of an apology really survivors network um one of the first things they did and you're like a what a who and you sort of forget about it was a criminal injury compensation and rape survivors they get criminal injury compensation and they get that because it's real yeah and it's yeah. almost an apology from the court side you know i think the the way it seems to be and i think you know some laws have changed since then and they're trying to deal with things more sensitively they're trying to get the police to not keep on raking get people to 
keep on re-traumatizing themselves by what happened and when does it happen and can you stop and can you tell me again and who and what because that's what you're doing you're all the evidence i gave evidence for 27 hours in a row they couldn't let me go good i was prodded and poked and talked to and videoed and uh, four hours of interviews here another written lot here repeating it everywhere. people getting quite angry on your behalf you know and it was very strange i thought it was strange um so you know they know uh you know they know the process but as soon as it's out of the police's hands bless them they're like you know they see that person they see how vulnerable they were they see um and so they you know it's upsetting for them yeah because uh, they understand that then it starts being about money doesn't it it does. Um, it does. Oh, it's when my recovery started properly. I was I'd been trying to speed things up. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll study psychology, I'll speed it, I'll make stuff better. And you wear I wore myself out trying to do that. You know, and I needed to just be and it's just be. Then I went back to work, you know, that was I was assaulted on the Saturday and went back to work on Monday. Um and it took I don't know, it takes a while, I suppose, but it's just all sink in yes yeah yeah I, I i'd love to keep chatting and talking like that but i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm running out of time now okay. um so, so your job so so you've been 25 years in your job yeah and you you enjoy it you love it yeah um yeah you obviously can't say what you do because so well i'm i'm a health worker and i've done loads of different jobs all in the same sort of particular vein um and yeah i just i continue loving it and i remember someone saying to me oh i'm so sorry what happened to you sam like i think you should stop doing you know health jobs and be very stressful like perhaps you should go and work with animals and i was like some bloke isn't going to fuck up the thing that i love the most thanks <laughs> um and you know i, I just i really it really irritated me actually it was like and it was the same about the keeping my sofa keeping my sofa i was like this is my home I'll be here. That is my job. Yeah. You know, that's this good. is my home. This is my job. I'm going to be carrying on with them, and I think that's a stubborn, yeah, stubborn yeah. trait of me. So that's what I want to do. So some blokes not going to stop it. No, that's <laughs> right. That's good, and that's what that's what's got you through, you know, as well, isn't it? Is that is that well, it's, it's good. Yeah. Uh, avoiding drama. I'm almost like a virtual bloody close, you know. Um, and. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I did. I did regain somewhere somehow my faith, my sort of spirituality, and became a lot more sort of active. And yeah, from what drumming and all sorts. You know, I'll look up the science and go. It's good for your stress levels. Yeah. And yes, shamanic drumming and meditating and kirtan. Yeah. You're touring sacred sites in your band. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it just yeah. I didn't have that's a vehicle. A bit about that. That's that's amazing. Oh, what got you into that? I've always been into um, I don't know, like you know, sort of the, the those magical places. You could think I sort of um, you know, go, growing up around Devon and Cornwall, like that whole magical King yeah. Arthur kind of stuff. But then you see that it's attached to some reality of mysticism as well so there's the glastonbury symposium and talks there um i once drove past a crop circle with a friend and we went in it and ran in it and we were like, oh. and it was just sort of finding somewhere here and just going i don't need to go to india that's their culture and that's um i suddenly found like different outlets and um, i was like i needed to find that magic here and went on a retreat um in glastonbury and i've been to glastonbury once but it was on my way somewhere else but this time was like oh my god here we are um chalice well white spring you know i mean white spring is the first sort of proper i suppose like pagan temple had been in i was oh my god this is my, this is my <laughs> um, yeah and eventually i managed to afford a vehicle hadn't driven for like 15 years and was just like it needs to be a daily driver that's a van and the first thing i'm going to do is wild camp in a3 really? um and how did you feel as a woman like being an up there i've done the wild camping but with an ex-partner 
Um, well, in the yeah, 22 years for a World Camp group. So I had about two years. So I joined about 25 different Facebook groups, women campus, yeah. this campus, that campus, the mini campus. And um, you find out that a lot of other people are doing it. And, you know, my van's not really detectable as a sort of hippie wagon camper van, which might be asking for, oh, hello, what's going on here? Yeah. You know, it looks a lot more like um, a functional van. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it did take me two years before I world camped in it at A3. And there was that almost safety net of knowing so many other people had done it before. Yes. And you knew the area. And I knew my van. And I think I, and I knew myself. Um, and yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Oh, brilliant. That's great. It felt like, it felt like traveling to India again, actually, because that's what upset me. After I was assaulted, I was like, how did I travel to India on my own when I was 30? Who is this woman? I can't go out the door on my own at the moment. I'm yeah. freaking out on the bus. People are bringing in milk for me. And then, uh, you know, I was looking at my traveling pictures. How the hell did I travel India on my own when I was 30? Um, who's that person? Where is she? And I, I think I felt like that person again, just going, you're bloody well camping in your van. You know, you feel like you've done it. You've, yeah. It's funny, but it's not, it's not risky in a way either. You know, you're in a sort of locked place. Yes. Um, but it's, it's still doing the opposite, thrilling. isn't it? I think. <laughs> it's, it's doing the opposite to what we feel, because I've been through the rape. I've been through it all. And it's doing that. You don't want to go out even over the front doorstep. You don't, but you make just take a little step, a step each day, step closer, yeah. then to the shops, then to the. And it's it is that bloody mindedness, and just to just to fight against that, where you just want to go, ah, oh, you know, and just fight against that, and just and just keep going, isn't it? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That's what worked for me anyway, and it's how like that worked for you. Obviously, different things yeah. work for different people, and it affects people differently, doesn't it? Um, but it's it's, yeah. it's nice to hear the story of someone that's like they've, they've gone through that hell and then they've they've survived. As, you know, they're a survivor, and and you're on the healing journey, which is yeah, which is, yeah, yeah. No. And there's there's not like I thought there was an end to it. You know, like oh, I've done that now, and I'm better. It's okay. like just I, I tell people I live my life therapeutically, and that's my garden, my van, my cat. My drumming, my reading, my so well looking, I don't know, wildflower identification, always learning, always sort of yeah, I suppose trying to find the magic in things and going try to avoid stress. And other people are stressful. Other people can stress you out a lot. Yeah, so can, yeah. You, yeah, you need to watch the isolation though. That's the thing, is that I was like, Oh shit. Um it's just it's a trauma symptom so you can i start isolating yourself too much because yeah. you're just trying to not overstimulate yeah. yourself so i kind of need to watch that and not come across an antisocial cow you go, you go drumming and you go and do your bits and talk to people and tell us a bit can i ask a bit more about the drumming because i've always thought about getting involved in that can you tell mm. us more what's involved with the drumming well, I mean, I've only just sort of touched um, on, I did like a, a four-week shamanic drumming course that was o over Zoom, and it was really, really good. So that was, that was Jonathan Weeks through Heron Drums, and he's really good. He has a lot to do with Extinction Rebellion. Like, he was up there drumming for that. He does drum birthing. He does a free Facebook Live thing, which is what I joined into first. I think it's every six weeks. He, he'll do like a drumming and singing. And, you know, he'll just sort of set the beat. And he sort of taught us about, like, things being to your sort of calm heartbeat, and that's nice, and you can do your own drum bath. Um, and if you give a drum bath to someone else, the way you keep the frame a little bit away, you don't want the drum, like, right near their head. Or, but you, if you want the energy to be up, then obviously you have the have the beats to be up, and we kind of sort of tested all of that. But it's it's always interested me about I've not done the drum birthing yet. You know where people are choose their own skin and actually make their own drum and put their own kind of bit of wood or or, or sort of crystal or stone in or whatever. I've not I've not done that. Um, but the actual drumming. So if you sort of like want to want to drum and do a sort of uh, a sh shamanic journey, then the resonance of, of that drum does apparently, I think it reduces your cortisol um, and does something 
to to your brain waves to calm you down as well and i'm, I'm very i didn't realize I, I sort of defined shamanic how i have always defined myself and i was like oh my god why okay that's shamanic. and it was like grounded so you're rooted in the ground but kind of wired to the moon kind of things so it's like there's a there's a root your earth and that earth thing to me is like here are the facts drumming yeah. and panic drumming is very good for you and it helps your core still and your brain waves but whoa, when you do it oh my god you know it's, it takes you somewhere else. and and that i had I, I just read the other day like shamanism kind of like describe like that it's like they know it's good for you but maybe you don't quite know where that journey is going to take you which is why it's quite that's yeah. the magical bit i suppose so yeah, yeah I, I don't do it enough no i've been attracted to shamanism and i hosted mm -hmm. a six session course of where it was taking place so obviously i i was there and i was like very aloof because i don't mind going up in the air and but I don't like going down below you have to go down below the tree don't you find your mm. animal and I'm like it's dark yeah. down there well, I don't want to go down there so I'm like no <laughs> stuff going down I was like no stop <laughs> but I think that's the grounding though I think you know may, maybe that dark thing might have felt like oh shadow work or you know but actually it was um yeah we did the sort of shamanic journey found us sort of this, the spirit of my drum and it was really fun it was really fun underground so it was kind of um oh, there you go yeah come i'll go <laughs> or let go and go yeah yeah <laughs> we're gonna move on now to the quick five questions it's i ask you a question you just give a quick, a quick answer mm -hmm. It's just a, a, a bit of fun at the, at the end there, just to, just to wrap up. Mm -hmm. um, what makes you smile? Um, King, King Arthur films. <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite book? Oh, at the moment, my favourite book is um, The Children's Fire by Mac McCartney. I think it should yeah, be compulsory reading. It's... It's about all of us looking at looking after the earth, like it's yeah, reclaiming our our roots and us looking after the earth for the kids. Oh, lovely! It's paganism, really. Uh, if yes. you are, yes, that sounds it's good. amazing. Yeah. Two things you are grateful for in your life: my cat and my van. Oh, I, I love my doggies too. <laughs> the animals get us through, don't they? <laughs> um, the best tip for making this world a better place? Listen and smile more at people. That's lovely. And make the children's fire, honestly. Everyone make the children's fire. Okay, just before we go, you was, um, you've was you got a lovely poem that you was going to share with us. Would you like to share that? Yeah, sure. So this is about me reclaiming my space, I suppose. My flat. Once terrified here, trust ripped apart, four years on, and I've now made a new start. I quake in my boots and fall to the floor. How many times must I do this? Oh, just once more. My home where it happened, once a safe space, became the place where my demons I'd face. Face in the morning, face in the day, battle at night, but here I must stay. Slowly, slowly, terror turned to determination. I painted the walls, threw out traumatic memories and started my own salvation. I didn't know how long it would take. I told my own flaws and back into a home I did make. It wasn't easy and it wasn't fast, but doing things gradually over much time means it will last. With walls different colours and books and art on display, I feel I can now move on, all terror and shakes gone away. I say this to inspire, please don't pity me. I built my life up and I'm now full of glee. I'm so proud of all my work and finally, finally, I celebrate the subtle return of my now rebalanced light and dark energy. That's lovely. Thank that's you. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank for you. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. That's lovely. And thank you for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Sarah expected her life to materialise the way she envisioned in her hopes and dreams when she was younger, but all of that was shattered on that fateful day. By getting help through therapies and being kind to herself and taking one day at a time, it was great to hear her powerful healing journey 
and even though it's still ongoing, Sarah's enormous strength and positive state of mind is getting her through. I'd like to say to all rape victims, as a rape victim also myself, you cannot allow your life and happiness to be destroyed by someone who has no respect or care for his or her victim. There's no right or wrong way to be after rape. You behave how you need to in order to get through. You can recover. It's a hard and ongoing road, but it can be done. If you'd like to contact our page, Unleash Your Goddess, um, you'll, you'll contact me. And I can certainly, I can give you links. I can, if you want to talk, I can point you in the right direction. Please don't suffer alone. Reach out. We are here for you. We look forward to hearing that our next podcast. See you then.